All right. Malachi 3, 16 to 18. 3, 16. Then those who fear the Lord spoke to one another, and the Lord gave attention and heard it. And a book of remembrance was written before him for those who fear the Lord and who esteem his name. And they will be mine, says the Lord of hosts, on the day that I prepare my own possession. And I will spare them as a man spares his own son who serves him. So you will again distinguish between the righteous and the wicked, between one who serves God and one who does not serve him. Amen. The gospel has been preached in the book of Malachi. He has even made mention of the coming Christ in chapter 3, verses 1 and 2, and in chapter 4, verse 2, and in chapter 4, verses 4 to 6. He is making mention of the coming of Christ and the preparation for the coming of Christ. But as we said that the gospel is being preached in the prophets, even in this prophet, the gospel is preached. Christ is mentioned by name. Uh, in terms of who he is. For example, when he is called the messenger of the covenant in chapter 3, verse 1, he's called the son of righteousness in chapter 4, verse 2. Son, S-U-N. So this leads to a curious question. If Malachi is preaching the gospel, how does he preach the gospel? How does he preach the gospel? In chapter 1, Verses 1 to 5, he starts his disputation with the assertion, with the truth, that in verse 2, I have loved you, says the Lord. The Lord knows that they doubt his love. They are not acting according to the love of God. So he reminds them that God has loved them. After stating that, and after they dispute it, and Malachi answers their dispute, It proceeds in chapter 1 all the way into chapter 3, verse 15. Back and forth, God accusing them, them denying the accusation, Malachi responding to the accusation. We notice that throughout this whole book, only at the beginning was there something said about the love of God. The rest of this Leading up to chapter 3, verse 16, our passage, it is mainly a list of their sins. It's an indictment. It's telling them where they have failed, where they have wronged God, where they have been in error, where they have transgressed His commandments. They needed to be told. They needed to be convinced. They needed to repent. They needed to believe the words, and they needed to believe in the only source of salvation, Christ Christ. The Lord. They needed to be convinced, persuaded by assertions, accusations, refutations, and from point to point. He doesn't just leave it at one point in chapter 1, verses 1 to 5. He continues to another point, Malachi does, another sin of, of theirs. And he continues until our passage. This is the true way to preach. The true way to preach is not to dump a hundred pounds of sugar on people. But that's the usual way. When a hundred pounds of sugar is dumped on them and they hear love, 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 grace, 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 when they hear those words, 
it ends, ends up being a perverted sense of love and a perverted sense of grace. It's not true love and it's not true grace. The people need to know that the loving thing, the prophet, the apostle, any disciple of Christ could do to another is to preach the truth. And the truth is man is utterly sinful and unable to save himself. He needs to come to a recognition of his sins. Malachi, he has preached it faithfully, just like the rest of the prophets and apostles and true disciples throughout history. And now in 316 to 18, he has a remnant among them who believe. After reiterating, preaching again and again how they were sinning against God, he has a remnant who believe. A few of them, some of them, repent and believe the true gospel. And then they are told about their true faith and the response to their true faith, the response that God has to their true faith. This is the same. In the New Testament, we're told to preach in this same way. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 1. 1 Corinthians 2, verses 1 to 5. And when I came to you, brethren, I did not come with superiority of speech or of wisdom, proclaiming to you the testimony of God. For I determined to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. And I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. And my message and my preaching were not in persuasive words of wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power that your faith should not rest on the wisdom of men, but on the power of God. The Apostle Paul's message did not come with superiority of speech or wisdom. It did not come in persuasive words of wisdom, he says. It was the Spirit of God and the Word of God. That's all he had. The Spirit of God and the Word of God, because men need to believe in God's wisdom, not men's wisdom. That's why the word of Christ has to be preached. That's Romans 10, 17. So faith comes from hearing and hearing by the word of Christ. 2 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians 2, 14 to 17. More on this fact that it is not flattering, smooth, slick, oily words, sugary words that we preach to people to be saved. 2 Corinthians 2.14 But thanks be to God who always leads us in His triumph in Christ and manifests through us the sweet aroma of the knowledge of Him in every place. For we are a fragrance of Christ to God among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. To the one an aroma from death to death, to the other an aroma from life to life. And who is adequate for these things? For we are not like many, peddling the word of God, but as from sincerity, but as from God, we speak in Christ in the sight of God. He says this that here that the preaching of Christ, it produces these two results, either death or life. But those who are preaching a false gospel, he says in 17, we are not like many peddling the word of God. To peddle the Word of God means to use the Word of God 
to make money, to use the word of God to become rich, to use the word of God in a way that dilutes the word of God so that there are more people who are accepting what the minister preaches. That is peddling. That is selling the word of God. He says that they don't do that, but they are sincere in the sight of God. They are not insincere in the, and in the sight of men. They are sincere in Christ in the sight of God. They are genuine. 2 Corinthians 4, 2 Corinthians 4, verses 1 to 6, 2 Corinthians 4, 1. Therefore, since we have this ministry, as we receive mercy, we do not lose heart, but we have renounced the things hidden because of shame, not walking in craftiness or adulterating the word of God, but by the manifestation of truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. But even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing, in whose case the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelieving, that they might not see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. For we do not preach ourselves, but Christ Jesus as Lord, and ourselves as your bondservants for Jesus' sake. For God who said, light shall shine out of darkness, is the one who has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. Verse 2, we have renounced the things hidden because of shame, not walking in craftiness or adulterating the word of God. They have nothing to do, we have nothing to do with hidden secret dark and dirty things that are shameful things. We don't do those things. We don't walk in craftiness. We're not deceitful. And we do not adulterate, pollute the word of God. The English word adultery is polluting the marriage bed. Here he says, adulterating the word of God. We don't pollute, profane, defile the word of God. We preach it as it is not in any diluted and therefore polluted way. He also says that in verse 5, that we do not preach ourselves, but Christ Jesus says, Lord. When pastors preach themselves, they're not preaching Christ. They're preaching themselves. The New Testament gospel is the same as Malachi's gospel. Preach it as it is, Preach the truth in love. Ephesians 4, 15. To preach the truth is love, and preaching love without the truth is not true love. Better is open rebuke than love that is concealed. Faithful are the wounds of a friend, but deceitful are the kisses of an enemy. Proverbs 27, 5 and 6. Now, Malachi introduces this section by saying, then those who feared the Lord spoke to one another. He speaks of fearing the Lord. What does it mean to fear the Lord? To fear the Lord. Many people, even this word, they mitigate its impact by saying 
that to fear God means to show some honor and respect to Him. And they diminish, they mitigate the weightiness of the word fear. It's not just honoring God by avoiding certain sins, uh, honoring God or respecting God by coming to church once in a while. It's not like that. Or once in a while reading the Bible. That's not what it means to fear the Lord or honor the Lord. He doesn't mean it that way. The Bible doesn't mean it that way. To fear the Lord is serious and an aspect of knowing God that Malachi has been preaching throughout this book. He's been preaching throughout this book the need to fear the Lord. So what does he mean when he says that some of them feared the Lord? Chapter 1, verse 6. Chapter 1, verse 6. He says, A son honors his father and a slave his master. Then if I am a father, where is my honor? And if I am a master, where is my fear? Translation, respect. Where is my fear, says the Lord of hosts, to you, O priests, priests who despise my name? But you say, how have we despised your name? If a, a son honors father and a slave his master, are we not talking about an obedient son? And are we not talking about an obedient slave who does the will of the master? and the son who does the will of the father? If that happens in day-to-day life, then why is it that the people will not obey God? Why don't they do that? That's what it means to fear God, to obey Him. One, fourteen, chapter 1 and verse 14. But cursed be the swindler who has a male in his flock and vows it, but sacrifices a blemished animal to the Lord, for I am a great king, says the Lord of hosts, and my name is feared among the nations. In this case, they know exactly what the ordinance of God is on how to present their sacrifices, but they don't care about how God said it. They don't care to obey Him as He said. They make exceptions. They make excuses. They do that which is here a blemished animal. That is, they present an animal that is either blind or lame or sick. Like that, when God said, don't ever present anything like that to me. Everybody knows the difference between a sick animal and a healthy animal. A lame animal and an animal that can walk. But they did it anyways. That's not fearing God at all. Chapter 2, chapter 2, verse 5. My covenant with him, that is Levi, the tribe of Levi, my covenant with him was one of life and peace, and I gave them to him as an object of fear, or reverence in the translation. So he feared me. He revered me and stood in awe of my name. The commandments of God, which are intended to bring life and peace, are also supposed to be feared, according to Malachi 2, verse 5. 
And the tribe initially, at least, in the time of Moses, they did fear God because they rose up against their own brothers, the other tribes, and killed many of them when they built a golden calf in Exodus 32. So they did fear God by understanding that the word of God was to be feared. They must know what it says and then obey it. Chapter 3, verse 5. Chapter 3, verse 5. This is the Lord speaking, the Lord Jesus. Then I will draw near to you for judgment, and I will be a swift witness against the sorcerers and against the adulterers and against those who swear falsely and against those who oppress the wage earner in his wages, the widow and the orphan, and those who turn aside the alien. And do not fear me, says the Lord of hosts. It may be that this last phrase or clause, and do not fear me, describes the reason they practice those sins. He's describing people who generally do not fear God, and therefore they practice sorcery, adultery, swearing falsely, oppression, uh, oppression of the widow, orphan, and alien because they don't fear God. If they feared God, they wouldn't do those things. Chapter 3, verse 16, our verse, and then chapter 4, verse 2. What awaits us who fear the name of the Lord? 4, 2. But for you who fear my name, the Son of Righteousness will rise with healing in its wings, and you will go forth and skip about like calves from the stall. The Son of Righteousness is for those who fear the name of the Lord. Chapter 4 and verse 5. 4 verse 5. Behold, I am going to send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and fearful day of the Lord. Translated terrible. Terrible or fearful day of the Lord. He's been preaching fear God and some have understood How did they understand it? We've seen the examples in Malachi, but we should see this is the way they understood it, as we find in the pages of the New Testament. In the New Testament, Matthew 10, 28. This is what they understood in fearing God. 10, 28. Matthew 10, 28. And do not fear those who kill the body but are unable to kill the soul but rather fear him who is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. They understood that they needed to fear God, otherwise God would throw them into hell. They shouldn't fear men who will only be able to kill the body, but they should fear God who can throw soul and body into hell. Acts chapter 5, Acts chapter 5, verses 1 to 11, explain how Ananias and Sapphira were killed by the Lord immediately upon telling a certain lie. They were killed immediately. Why did God do that? He did it not only to kill Ananias and Sapphira for lying immediately, 
But he also did it for this other reason. Chapter 5, verse 5. And as he heard these words, Ananias fell down and breathed his last. And great fear came upon all who heard of it. God wanted to elicit, arouse fear in everybody who heard about it. And great fear that they dare not lie as Ananias lied. It was not only that, but when Sapphira died, his wife, it says in verse 11, chapter 5, verse 11, and great fear came upon the whole church and upon all who heard of these things. Great fear. God wanted the church to walk in the fear of the Lord, knowing that as it happened to this couple, this married couple, it could also happen to them. Chapter 9, Acts chapter 9 and verse 31. Acts 9 and verse 31. So the church throughout all Judea and Galilee and Samaria enjoyed peace, being built up and going on in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit. It continued to increase. What was the church doing? They were enjoying peace. They were being built up, going on in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit. When these are all together, it continued to increase. Chapter 19. Chapter 19. When there was an exorcism or attempted exorcism, chapter 19 and verse 16. 19, 16 to 20. The following happens. 19, 16. And the man in whom was the evil spirit leaped on them and subdued both of them and overpowered them so that they fled out of that house naked and wounded. And this became known to all, both Jews and Greeks, who lived in Ephesus, and fear fell upon them all. And the name of the Lord Jesus was being magnified. Many also of those who had believed kept coming, confessing and disclosing their practices. And many of those who practiced magic brought their books together and began burning them in the sight of all. And they counted up the price of them and found it 50,000 pieces of silver. So the word of the Lord was growing mightily and prevailing. Hebrews 10. Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 26. Hebrews 10, 26. For if we go on sinning willfully after receiving the knowledge of the truth, there no longer remains a sacrifice for sins, but a certain terrifying expectation of judgment and the fury of a fire which will consume the adversaries. Anyone who has set aside the law of Moses dies without mercy on the testimony of two or three witnesses. How much severe punishment do you think he will deserve who has trampled underfoot the Son of God and has regarded as unclean the blood of the covenant by which he was sanctified and has insulted the Spirit of grace? For we know him who said, Vengeance is mine, I will repay. And again, the Lord will judge his people. It is a terrifying thing 
to fall into the hands of the living God. It's a terrifying thing. He's preaching terror, the terror of the Lord. The remnant in Malachi, when they heard the true gospel, they began to fear the Lord. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. Proverbs 1.7 The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. Proverbs 9.10 Proverbs 9.10 That's the fear of God. We have another phrase here, another interesting one that says, those who fear the Lord spoke to one another. What does it mean to speak to one another? What would they be doing speaking to one another? Why does it say that? It says that, as we find in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 13. What is it that should innately happen when one begins to believe the gospel? When one begins to believe the gospel, have the fear of the Lord in him, repent of sins, what else should accompany such an individual? He should be speaking, it says, they spoke to one another. They should be opening their mouth and talking to others, such as 2 Corinthians 4, 2 Corinthians 4, 13. But having the same spirit of faith, according to what is written, I believed, therefore I spoke. We also believe, therefore also we speak. Those who believe speak about what they believe. They don't hide it. They don't conceal it. They don't bury it under a rock. No, they speak of it. They speak of it and preach it to others. 1 Peter 2. 1 Peter 2, 9 and 10. 1 Peter 2, 9. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. For you once were not a people, but now you are the people of God. You had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. After our conversion and, rec- and the recognition as to who we are, chosen race, royal priesthood, holy nation, people for God's own possession, For what end? To what end? It says in verse 9, that in order that or so that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. We want to open our mouth. We want to speak to one another. And we want to tell others that we were not a people, but now we are the people of God. We had not received any mercy, but now we have received mercy from God. It should be our desire, as it was for them. Mark chapter 5. Mark chapter 5. Mark 5 and verse 19. 5, 19 and 
20. The Lord heals a man who was possessed. And after he was healed, we pick it up at the very end, 5, 19, and 20. The man wanted to accompany Christ, wanted to follow him wherever he went. Verse 19, and he did not let him. But he said to him, go home to your people and report to them what great things the Lord has done for you and how he had mercy on you. And he went off and began to proclaim in Decapolis what great things Jesus had done for him. And everyone marveled. So he went back and he preached and told everybody what had happened to him. John chapter 4. John chapter 4. The woman at the well, the woman of Samaria at the well, John 4, 27 to 30. John 4, 27. She's having a dialogue with Christ. Christ is preaching the gospel to her. 4, 27. And at this point, his disciples came and they marveled that he had been speaking with a woman, yet no one said, why do you speak? Why, what do you seek? Or why do you speak with her? So the woman left her water pot and went into the city and said to the men, Come, see a man who told me all the things that I have done. This is not the Christ, is it? They went out of the city and were coming to him. Jesus did not actually tell her to go away, but she went away and she left her water pot pot there at the well. She came to draw water, but she left it because there was more important. There was the water of life to explain to her city. And so she went and explained what the Lord had told her. Acts chapter 16, Acts 16, verse 11. Acts 16, verse 11, 11 to 15. Acts 16, 11. Therefore, putting out to sea from Troas, we ran a straight course to Samothrace, and on the day following to Neapolis, and from there to Philippi, which is a leading city of the district of Macedonia, a Roman colony. And we were staying in the city for some days. And on the Sabbath day, we went outside the gate to a riverside where we were supposing that there would be a place of prayer. And we sat down and began speaking to the women who had assembled. And a certain woman named Lydia from the city of Thyatira, a seller of purple fabrics, a worshiper of God, was listening. And the Lord opened her heart to respond to the things spoken by Paul. And when she and her household had been baptized, she urged us, saying, If you judge me to be faithful to the Lord, come into my house and stay. And she prevailed upon us. Luke and Paul are here preaching to the women assembled at the riverside. Lydia has her heart opened to respond to the things spoken by Paul, 16.14. Then notice a very fast transition in verse 15. It says Lydia responded. She believed and repented. Verse 15. And when she and her household had been baptized, what's missing? that they went to her house and she 
told her household that she met Paul and Luke by the riverside and they preached the gospel and she wants them to hear the gospel. So they all explain the gospel to her household. Her household believes and everyone is baptized. She went home with the messengers of God so that the rest of her household could hear. Acts 16, 16, 28. Drop down to verse 28. 28 to 34. Another one of these kinds of incidents. 16, 28. But Paul cried out with a loud voice saying, Do yourself no harm, for we are all here. And he called for lights and rushed in and... Trembling with fear, he fell down before Paul and Silas, and after he brought them out, he said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they said, Believe in the Lord Jesus, and you shall be saved, you and your household. And they spoke the word of the Lord to him together with all who were in his house. And he took them that very hour of the night and washed their wounds, and immediately he was baptized, he and all his household. And he brought them into his house and set food before them, and rejoice greatly, having believed in God with his whole household. The jailer, an earthquake occurs, and the jailer suspects that Paul and Silas have escaped, so he's about to kill himself, because if they had escaped, he would have been executed by his authorities. So he's about to kill himself, thinking Paul and Silas left. Paul and Silas stop him, from killing himself, murdering himself. And then he says, Sirs, what, what must I do to be saved? Because Paul and Silas had been speaking and singing while in prison. And he heard some of those things. What must I do to be saved? They say, Believe in the Lord Jesus and you shall be saved, you and your household. 31 to 32. Also, jumps from the jail or the prison, to the jailer's house. How did they get there? It doesn't say, but they went to the house. It says in verse 32, And they spoke the word of the Lord to him together with all who were in his house. It may have been nearby, maybe even in the same building, but still, the household was collected because the jailer wanted his household to hear so he explains what he heard. The apostle and Silas, they both explain the gospel to them all, and they all believe. This is what it means to speak to one another. If you believe, you'll open your mouth and you'll tell others about it, especially those closest to you. Three sixteen. Because God observes what they are doing, Repenting, believing, fearing God, speaking to one another. 3.16 says, And the Lord gave attention and heard it. He gave attention and heard it. This may be redundant. It may sound redundant. But to give attention means that he's actually listening. He's interested. He is concerned. And then to hear it means he is responding favorably. Responding favorably. He is attentive because he's concerned. And then he's responding favorably to what he sees in them. 
He gave attention and heard it. Psalm 33, Psalm 33, 18 and 19. Psalm 33, verse 18. Behold, the eye of the Lord is on those who fear him, on those who hope for his loving kindness, to deliver their soul from death and to keep them alive in famine. 33, 18, and 19. God was watching. He took care of those who fear him, those who hope for his salvation or wait for his salvation. Those who hope are those who have faith. Hope comes because of the preaching of what is anticipated, and it takes faith to believe in that. Faith and hope go together. And they knew it was to deliver their soul from death and to keep them alive in famine. 34, Psalm 34, Psalm 34, verse 15. 34, 15. The eyes of the Lord are toward the righteous, and his ears are open to their cry. In the New Testament, we find in 1 John, 1 John 3, 19 to 22. 1 John 3, verse 19 says, We shall know by this that we are of the truth, and shall assure our heart before him in whatever our heart condemns us. For God is greater than our heart and knows all things. Beloved, if our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence before God. And whatever we ask, we receive from him because we keep his commandments and do the things that are pleasing in his sight. 1 John five, fourteen and 15. Five fourteen. And this is the confidence which we have before him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the requests which we have asked from him. He hears us whenever we ask according to his will. And if it is according to his will, It's answer. God gives attention and God answers. It also says in 3.16 that a book of remembrance was written before him for those who fear the Lord and who esteem his name. A book of remembrance. In the scripture, some passages will speak of God having a book of, for the righteous, and other passages, a book for the wicked. A book for the righteous and a book for the wicked. And there are a couple of passages that will mention or imply both. A book of life and a book of death. A book of life and a book of judgment. In terms of life, Exodus 32, Exodus 32, 30. Exodus 32, 30 
to 35. 32.30. And it came about on the next day that Moses said to the people, You yourselves have committed a great sin, and now I'm going up to the Lord. Perhaps I can make atonement for your sin. Then Moses returned to the Lord and said, Alas, this people has committed a great sin, and they have made a god of gold for themselves. But now, if you will forgive their sin, and if not, please blot me out from your book which you have written. And the Lord said to Moses, Whoever has sinned against me, I will blot him out of my book. But go now, lead the people where I told you. Behold, my angel shall go before you. Nevertheless, in the day when I punish, I will punish them for their sin. Then the Lord smote the people because of what they did with the calf which Aaron had made. Psalm 69, Psalm 69, 22. Psalm 69, 22 to 28. 69, 22. May their table before them become a snare, and when they are in peace, may it become a trap. May their eyes grow dim so that they cannot see, and make their loins shake continually. Pour out your indignation on them, and may your burning anger overtake them. May their camp be desolate, may none dwell in their tents, for they have persecuted him whom you yourself have smitten, and they tell of the pain of those whom you have wounded. Add iniquity to their iniquity, and may they not come into your righteousness. May they be blotted out of the book of life, and may they not be recorded with the righteous. Isaiah chapter 4. Isaiah 4, verse, verses 2 to 3. Isaiah 4, verses 2 to 3. In that day, the branch of the Lord will be beautiful and glorious, and the fruit of the earth will be the pride and the adornment of the survivors of Israel. And it will come about that he who is left in Zion and remains in Jerusalem will be called holy. Everyone who is recorded for life in Jerusalem. He says recorded for life. The remnant. That's what he means by the ones who are left, those who remain. The remnant are recorded for life. Luke chapter 10, verse 20. Luke 10, verse 20. Nevertheless, do not rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you, but rejoice that your names are recorded in heaven. And a few in the book of Revelation. Revelation chapter 3. Revelation chapter 3, verse 5. Revelation 3, 5. We're still focused on the remnant or the righteous who have eternal life. Revelation 3, 5. He who overcomes shall thus be clothed in white garments, and I will not erase his name from the book of life, and I will confess his name before my Father and before his angels. Revelation 13, 8. 13, 8. And all who dwell 
on the earth will worship him, everyone whose name has not been written from the foundation of the world in the book of life of the Lamb who has been slain. And 17.8, Revelation 17.8, the beast that you saw was, was and is not and is about to come up out of the abyss and to go to destruction. And those who dwell on the earth will wonder whose name has not been written in the book of life from the foundation of the world when they see the beast that he was and is not and will come. There's also some verses on the reprobate. Jeremiah chapter 17. Book of Jeremiah chapter 17. Jeremiah 17, 13. Jeremiah 17, 13. O Lord, the hope of Israel, all who forsake you will be put to shame. Those who turn away on earth will be written down because they have forsaken the fountain of living water, even the Lord. Those who turn away on earth will be written down. Daniel, Daniel chapter 7. Daniel chapter 7, verses 9 and 10. Daniel 7, verse 9. I kept looking until thrones were set up, and the Ancient of Days took his seat. His vesture was like white snow, and the hair of his head like pure wool. His throne was ablaze with flames. Its wheels were a burning fire. A a river of fire was flowing and coming out from before him. Thousands upon thousands were attending him, and myriads upon myriads were standing before him. The court sat, and the books were opened. Who are these people? This is for the day of judgment. That's why they are standing before the Lord to be judged by him. In Revelation 13.8 and 17.8, which we've already read, there, there is also some indication that there's a separate a separate plan or purpose for the reprobate, as it said in 17.8, whose name has not been written in the book of life from the foundation of the world. Their names were not written down in the book of life, but according to Jeremiah and Daniel, they were written down in another book, the book of death. Revelation chapter 20. Revelation Chapter 20, 20, 11 to 15. Revelation 20, 11. And I saw a great white throne and him who sat upon it, from whose presence earth and heaven fled away, and no place was found for them. And I saw the dead, the great and the small, standing before the throne, and books were opened. And another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged from the things which were written in the books according to their deeds. And the sea gave up the dead which were in it, and death and Hades gave up the dead which were in them, and they were judged in every one of them according to their deeds. 
and death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. This is the second death, the lake of fire. And if anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. These verses tell us of the book of life, but also in the plural it says, books were opened in the plural. It says in verse 12, books were opened. And in verse 12, which were written in the books according to their deeds. And that plural books is likely the same as what Daniel said in Daniel 7, 9 to 10, when he mentioned plural books. Then 21, 21, 22. Revelation 21, verse 22. 22 to 27. And I saw no temple in it, for the Lord God, the Almighty, and the Lamb are its temple, and the city has no need of the sun or of the moon to shine upon it. For the glory of God has illumined it, and its lamp is the Lamb. And nations shall walk by its light, and the kings of the earth shall bring their glory into it. And in the daytime, for there shall be no night there, its gates shall never be closed. And they shall bring the glory and honor of the nations into it. And nothing unclean, and no one who practices abomination and lying shall ever come into it, but only those whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life. Here is the final contrast. Those who, whose names are written in the book of life and those whose names are not written in the book of life, but in the other books, the books of death. Those who re, uh, believed and repented of sin in Malachi believed the true gospel and repented. They had their name written in the book of life. We also find in verse 16, Malachi 3.16, and those who esteem his name, who fear the Lord and esteem his name. To esteem, to honor, to glorify, to exalt the name of the Lord. Malachi has taken particular interest in the name of the Lord. In 1.6, he accused the priests of despising his name. In 1.11, he says, For my name will be great among the nations, says the Lord of hosts. In 1.14, he says, And my name is feared among the nations. Chapter 2, verse 2, he says, If you do not listen, and if you do not take it to heart to give honor to my name, says the Lord of hosts, then I will send a curse upon you, and I will curse your blessings. And indeed, I have cursed them already, because you are not taking it to heart. 2, verse 5, says that he revered me and stood in awe, of my name. Chapter 3, 16, our verse, and chapter 4, verse 2. But for you who fear my name, the Son of Righteousness will rise with healing in its wings. To fear the name of the Lord. 
to esteem the name of the Lord. It is also a New Testament doctrine. It's also a New Testament doctrine. We cannot take lightly the name of the Lord. First Corinthians, First Corinthians chapter 12. First Corinthians chapter 12, verse 3. 12, 3. Therefore, I make known to you that no one speaking by the Spirit of God says, Jesus is accursed. And no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. Philippians chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2. 2, 9 to 11. Philippians 2, 9 to 11. Therefore also God highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of those who are in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. The name of Jesus and the glory of God the Father are exalted here. Further, 2 Timothy chapter 2. 2 Timothy chapter 2. 2, 19. Chapter 2, 19 to 21. 2.19 Nevertheless, the firm foundation of God stands, having this seal. The Lord knows those who are His, and let everyone who names the name of the Lord abstain from wickedness. Now, in a large house, there are not only gold and silver vessels, but also vessels of wood and of earthenware, and some to honor, and some to dishonor. Therefore, if a man cleanses himself from these things, he will be a vessel for honor, sanctified, useful to the master, prepared for every good work. Whoever names the name of the Lord must abstain from wickedness. If we say the Lord Jesus is our Lord, we must abstain from wickedness. If we say the Lord Jesus is our Savior, we must abstain from wickedness. They profess to know God, but by their deeds they deny Him, being detestable and disobedient and worthless for any good deed. 1 Peter 4. 1 Peter 4, 14 to 16. 1 Peter 4, 14. If you are reviled for the name of Christ, you are blessed because the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. By no means let any of you suffer as a murderer or thief or evildoer or a troublesome meddler. But if anyone suffers as a Christian, let him not feel ashamed, but in that name, let him glorify God. The remnant in Malachi, they feared the Lord and they esteemed his name. That is, they walked according to the holiness of the name of the Lord. They abstained from wickedness. 
They did not take up the name of the Lord in vain and therefore have a curse on them. We'll pause here and pick up next time in verses 17 and 18. He who has ears to hear, let him hear what the Spirit says. Amen.